Good morning, this is Sister Lisa coming to you from the ill, the Edwina Elder Library. This podcast I am reviewing on page 32, Life After Grief, Choosing the Path to Healing by Rebecca Hayford Bauer. She's the author of Seven Love Letters from Jesus. um, Point number two, it helped when people allowed me to guide the conversation. There are things about grief that I never knew before, dot, dot, dot. For instance, there is physical pain attached to it, or sometimes my ears would literally shut down. I could see people's mouths moving, but I could no longer distinguish their words. When people came to me with their own agendas, it was always harder. I found that people tended to want to tell me things rather than ask me things. Let the bereaved guide the conversation because they know what they can handle. And keep in mind that because each day in the process is different, especially early on, what was okay to talk about one time may not be okay the next time. Take your cues from the person you have come to comfort. Oh, we're talking about um, some tips that she was given about how to comfort people because she knows she's been there and she's learned from what people did to her with the loss of her husband, Scott. Point number three. I'm just going to flip back to see what, remind you what point number one was. Oh, point number one had several different things um, about what you say. Be careful what you say to people and how you can tell people, I love you, I'm sorry, and I'm praying for you. And share memories. Okay. Then I just gave you point number two. Point number three. The grieving process takes longer than we think. Since having walked this road, I now put reminders on my calendar to call people who are on a journey of loss. Life moves on quickly for those who have not suffered the loss. It can move incredibly slowly for those who are in the midst of it. Two weeks after my loss, when most others were moving on with their lives, it became really lonely. The calls, cards, and letters I received later in the process let me know there were still people walking with me. As comforters, we need to remember to keep the bereaved close in our hearts in our prayers and in actual contacts. contact. Text and emails count, by the way. These kinds of communication actually give the person space while still letting them know that others are bearing them up in prayer. Provide your phone number in case they want or need to talk. Number four, be patient with the bereaved person's desire to control. When my husband passed away, life felt so out of control that I kept trying to micromanage my calendar. I kept the house over neat. A friend who was whittled years before me went out and bought artificial plants and got rid of all the real ones in her house. I've come to recognize that what may look like unusual behavior is actually an attempt to get something, anything, under control. Having life turned upside down is a very disconcerting feeling. Having anything under control helps, even if it's only making sure that the plants don't need watering. Hmm, that's an idea. I keep buying real plants. That's just what I've, I've always done that. I buy real plants and then I like stress out because I don't know if I'm overwatering them, underwatering them. I know most of them come with little cards that tell you where they're supposed to plant them or place them. Full sun, part sun. Yeah, I think I look at them when I first get them, but then I just usually end up setting the pots out together on my walkway. And then when, um, and then when they don't, when they start withering and stuff like that, I give them more water. <laughs> And that might be why they're withering. They may have too much water. Anyway, um, that's not handling my grief. That's just me. I I just love, I just love flowers. But I do, I do see her point. 
get some get some artificial ones so you don't have to water those number five respect the person's unique loss probably the most difficult thing is that every journey of loss is different what comforted one person may or may not comfort someone else even if the loss looks the same from the outside one of the kindest things that anyone said to me was a statement made by a woman whose husband did oh died exactly the same way mine did from a brain aneurysm that woman was gladys anderson my brother-in-law's mom the difference in our stories was that Clifford and Gladys had been married for 56 years, while Scott and I had been married for 27. Though the circumstances looked identical, Gladys wrote in the card, I have no idea how this would have felt, and it has grieved me for me that you only got to have him for 27 years. In my heart, I have thanked Gladys many times for that comment. She didn't just lump me in with everyone else who lost a spouse. She acknowledged it specifically. Rebecca Scott, 27 years. Her comments validated my loss as one of a kind. She respected my loss. And so, dear comforter, may the Lord bless you as you seek to comfort your friend or family member. May he pour out upon you the wisdom of the comforter. May he give you the grace to know when to speak and when to be silent. May he give you hands to help, memories to share, and endurance in the process. In the name of Jesus, amen. It's a little prayer she had at the bottom of that page. And this finishes part one of this book. And so tomorrow we'll do part, start part two. But I want to just add on here, if I may, um, my husband and I, we had 38 years of marriage. I mean, we celebrated 38 anniversaries and then he's been gone almost two, so it'd be 40. I wanted so bad for us to get to 50, at least 50. His parents had a, um, a wedding, um, they had like a... A ceremony for their 50th anniversary now my mom and dad didn't want one but we went we met up with my mom and dad in uh, brown county indiana and and um we had a nice little uh, dinner there at one of the nice restaurants and um so they got to have their fit in fact they went on for 12 more years my mom and dad had i think had their 62nd uh, yeah their 62nd anniversary and i believe my mother-in-law mother and father-in-law did too and I didn't even make it to 50. Um, I think that was one of my hardest things. I think that's one of my hardest things because that was one of my... Um, I have a, a wall. I have a wall of photographs. And I, I, it's been there for years. I've done a, I've done a, um, our Hall of Faith. And um, I have photographs of my parents' 50th anniversary. Um, their parents, my grandma and grandpa Chilton... And my grandma and grandpa Kelly's 50th wedding anniversary. My mother-in-law, um, her mom and dad's 50th wedding anniversary. My father-in-law's mother and father's 50th anniversary. Um, and I even, and then I have some other pictures of grandparents. Um, I'm not sure if theirs went 50 years or more. I'm not sure. But they had long, long marriage um, times together. They had a long, long time together. They got old before they died. And my husband was only 59, which, um, this lady here, she only was married for 27 years. Now, I don't know what their ages were because I know some people get married later in life, but I was 19 and my husband was 21 when we got married. We were just kids. And so, um, we thought we'd grow old together, and I guess in some people's way of thinking, <laughs> in their 50s, it's old. Some people think 50. 
Snoopy's old, so I guess um, probably to my grandkids, you know, me and Papa were old, but not as old as I would have liked. But God knows, God knows all this stuff. And there is life after grief, or life during grief, I guess I could say, because I am still grieving. Um, But, yeah, on the flip side, and I think, you know, I knew it from the very beginning. I don't think it's changed, but I'm glad my husband is no longer in pain. I'm glad he cried, and the righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. That's a Bible verse, and it's so true. My husband he did. He was praying that if God wasn't going to heal him, that God would take him home. And God did deliver my husband. That's how That's how he got his ultimate healing. And I know that. I know that. So, um, it's true. Part of grieving is feeling sorry for yourself. I know it sounds harsh. And I know it sounds cruel. But, I, but it's really true. We think about what we didn't get. What we wanted. Not seeing the big picture, not seeing from heaven's point of view, how God, he promised that there'd be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more tears. And for my husband, there's not. And for me, you know, yes, I'm happy to go through this and and learn from this and hopefully help somebody else on my podcast. Hear the bird outside my window, it's so beautiful. And so those kind of things, we just have to, one day at a time, keep trusting God. That's what we have to do. Trust God. Only trust Him. And while we're doing so, let the Lord, let the Lord help us. Help us to become that person He wants us to be. Because even though we don't see it, He's not done with us. Our spouses, our loved ones, the ones that we're grieving over, ran their race. They finished their course. They did what they were supposed to do. And now we... We have to finish what we're supposed to do. And part of mine, I think, is to write my husband's book about his life. So, therefore, I told my mother-in-law, I said, Mark's going to be one of those people. I really feel like Mark's going to be one of those people that um, impact more people in their death than they did in their life. And he impacted a lot of people in his life. He was a a marvelous, marvelous um, um, Man, I guess to say that, but he was a great youth leader in his younger years. He was a great husband, great father, great son, a um, wonderful brother to his um, siblings, a great brother-in-law to my my brothers, and just um, he was around. He was very liked. He's very likable. His personality. In fact, when people found out he died, they said, "Oh, Mark is my favorite person." The insurance person from his job, um, his. Um, what do they call it, the, um, the, uh, the accountant that helps people with their, um, all their different aspects, I can't even remember what they're called right now at the moment, um, not a social worker, but, um, the person that helps run things smoothly, you know, I can't think of what she's called, but anyway, she said that she really, that every time that she met with Mark, or when he, when they, um, when she went around to help people fill out their insurance papers and stuff, that he was always, always grinning, always smiling, a uh, great personality, and that he was going to be re- really missed, and um, just different things like that. His co-workers, they all was flabbergasted that he's gone, and just, um, he just impacted people. He was a, um, he was a leader, and not just a youth leader, when he, but he was a leader in a lot of things. He was, um, once he set his mind to do something, he did it. 
and I appreciate that. I I, I still honor that. I I honor I honor my husband, and so those are things we do have to go on. Life isn't the same, but yet in so many ways, they're with us. Our loved ones are with us, and so I thank God for that. I thank God that we got their memories and that, uh, that we had the time that we had with them. Our life is better because of them. So, anyway, God bless you. You have a wonderful day. Let's keep pointing others to the cross. Jesus is coming soon. This is Lisa Peter, your host of the Edwin Elder Library podcast. Bye-bye.